Welcome to the Vita Foods Insights Podcast. Join us as we explore the latest in science and innovation, helping the global health and nutrition industry connect, develop, and progress. Today's host is Heather Granato, Vice President of Content. Well, hello, and welcome to the Vita Foods Insights podcast. Excited to speak with you today about uh, regulatory compliance and uh, Certainly, as we've seen considerable disruption across the global supply chain, which is affecting nutraceutical and food supplement companies, it's important that we revisit the steps that can be taken to ensure the safety and efficacy of the raw materials and processed ingredients that are being purchased. Because despite this disruption that's impacting our businesses and our industry, companies still have to meet regulatory requirements on everything from supplier qualification to ingredient testing, GMP compliance, and more and to support efforts around education and training, NSF International has developed Quality and Regulatory Digital Week, which will take place the first week of August, 2020. Designed with the global nutraceutical industry in mind, the courses delve into particular aspects of regulatory compliance. I'm so pleased that today I have Holly Johnson, the Chief Science Officer for the American Herbal Products Association joining me. Hello, Holly, how are you? Hi, Heather. I'm wonderful. It's such a pleasure to be here talking with you today. Fantastic. Well, I was looking at your bio and you've got more than 20 years of experience in botanicals research and testing and also serve on the advisory boards for the American Botanical Council and the American Herbal Pharmacopoeia. And as part of NSF's Digital Week, you'll be leading one of the two parts of a training course on botanical identification and testing. So I'd like to start out by talking a little bit about why the issue of botanical identification continues to garner such interest across the global supplement space. You know, Heather, it's an interesting question, and I and I think I'm I'm glad we're discussing it. Um, I think that you know, if you if you go back, kind of in the history of of dietary supplements and herbal medicines, maybe about 50 years ago, if you were going to sell herbal medicines, um, you had to have an herbalist or a botanist on your staff. I mean, that just is how it was, right? And so, there were experts um, in dealing with these botanical materials at almost every herbal supplement company. But then, as the popularity of these products just skyrocketed, as you know, in the U.S., but globally as well, dietary supplements and botanicals, just a huge interest um, from consumers in kind of, you know, mitigating their own health choices with, with botanicals, which, of course, were traditionally used as therapeutics for hundreds, thousands of years by, by humans, right? So as this interest kind of grew in the supplements industry and specifically botanical dietary supplements category was growing, what happened is a lot of the um, other supplement companies that usually would do vitamins and minerals said, hey, we want to start using these botanical ingredients as well to offer to our customers. And, you know, as the, the sector grew, um, what happened is instead of having those expert herbalists or botanists on your staff, you sometimes those were replaced by, you know, buyers that would go out to the docks and, and buy green and brown powders to, to put in the supplements. And so 
you know, as the category grew, there tended to have this chasm that that developed between the actual brand holders and the people that either grew or, or wild collected the herbs. And so, you know, that's just, it's, it's not that botanicals trade has not always been global. It has, even back in those days. You know, there's herbs like maca that only come from Highland Peru. You know, you had to have connections in Peru to use that herb. Um, but these days, with just everything being so globalized, um, sometimes the brand are much farther away from the actual intact plants, right? Or, or the plants when they're in a state that you could actually recognize them if you were a botanist. And so, you know, clearly we have lots of great analytical techniques to analyze and, and you know, do identification for the powders and such. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons, Heather, that the this just continues to be an issue is because botanical expertise is so specific. And yet now these commodities are, are being used um you know, more broadly. And, and so that's one of the things. I think the other reason that this continues to be kind of an issue we all talk about is that identity specification. So again, this has a bit of a United States um, focus, this last point. But in the United States, under, um, you know, CFR Part 111, which is the GMPs for, for dietary supplements, the identity specification is the only one that you must must retest yourself every single time for your components. So if you have, you know, there's other tests and other specifications that you can potentially rely on C of A's from your vendors or suppliers, but identity, you must test it. And so, um, you know, ingredient suppliers and brands, this is why this is still a hot topic in how to do botanical identity and how to support your specifications with different appropriate methods is because you must do it. And I appreciate the fact that you're talking about appropriate methods. Another topic that we've discussed is the importance of methods being fit for purpose. Could you talk a little bit about what that means, both in theory and in practice? Yeah, that's another great point, Heather. And I think it, it follows on what I just said previously in terms of if you have an intact plant, right, you have an echinacea plant in your hand, any trained botanist can recognize that. They say, yep, that's a coneflower. It's got the, the characteristics, and that's how scientists over hundreds of years have classified plants into different taxa. Again, these days, there just are sometimes these green powders and, and, and these other uh, types of things. And so there's different methods of evaluation that are appropriate for different types of materials. So if you have a fully intact organism, you can use morphological characteristics the same way that, that taxonomy scientists have done traditionally. Once you crush up that plant and you get it to a cut and sifted phase, then other types of methods of evaluation become more appropriate and fit for purpose. So microscopy, for example, is a great technique for botanical identification once you have a, a cut and sifted type material. If you then further process that material and, and extract it, and now you've got a, a green powdery extract that doesn't have any of the anatomical or morphological features of the plant there, you'll need to use other more appropriate methods that look at chemical fingerprints uh, and, and other things like that to, to fully identify your botanical. And that goes into more HPLC, HPTLC, other types of chemical methods. So again, the fit for purpose, it really depends on the material. The more processed your material, the, the different types of, of analysis and methods that you'll need. Fantastic. Another topic, obviously during this pandemic, we've seen disruption across the supply chain, which has been affected by the ability to harvest, to produce, uh, to the impact that we've seen on transportation and shipping, even in-person audits. 
Can you talk about how this pressure in the supply chain is affecting the botanicals uh, chain and really is increasing the importance of testing botanical materials? Yeah, absolutely. It's such a huge topic of this this time, right? there's certainly, you know, APA members and, and companies I talk to all the time certainly have had some disruptions and some issues in their supply chains for certain botanical ingredients. And, you know, we've been talking a lot uh, about this. And and so what do you do when you have to resource an ingredient, right? Now this supplier's out, I need to find another ingredient of the same botanical, but that meets my specifications in my formula. So this can be challenging. And I think the companies that have paid attention to their suppliers and their supply chains in the past, where you have a very strong vendor or supplier qualification program already in place, uh, those companies are doing quite well. They have their standards set up. They just, you know, can can apply these standards as they resource ingredients. Um, if you haven't paid maybe as much attention to the quality of your botanicals and just, you know, qualifying suppliers and ingredients, those companies might be struggling a bit more as they resource. And so, again, knowing how to interpret C of A's um, for specific tests and specifically for botanical identity is is key in this, you know. So again, I think if the companies that really have formed relationships with their vendors as well, I think that's one of the things that's come into play here is if you have a long-standing relationship with your supplier, you work with them maybe with many botanicals over many years, you're going to get um, probably on the top of the list when the supply comes back in, you know, that kind of thing. So, so I think the main th- ideas here are with the disruptions, when you're resourcing your ingredients, maybe now is the time to even build up your supplier qualification programs and standards within your company so that this won't be as cumbersome in potential future disruptions, which not just due to COVID, Heather, I mean, who knows what kind of disruptions we might be facing in the years to come with climate change and and, and other factors that that can affect um, wild and cultivated botanicals. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, Everything that we learn, we can apply in different ways. So hopefully we can get smarter about it. So if you had to call out just two or three steps that every manufacturer, every buyer should have in place to ensure that the ingredients they secure meet quality specs, what would they be? Wow, just three? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think, again, it... uh, really what we just talked about in terms of really paying attention to where your botanicals come from. The more close you are to the actual morphological plant, the intact plant, and and again, not every company or brand can go and travel to farms, and, and really they don't need to if you really support qualify your suppliers, right? So there's a lot of wonderful botanical supply houses that they go to the farms and they do that step of it for you, but then you really work with that supplier. So again, I think it's really, when you look to your botanical supply chains, you you know, my advice is to look at each ingredient and say, how, how close am I to knowing where that actual plant came from? You know, do I know the distributor? Do I know a guy at the dock in Long Beach? Or do I actually, you know, have the name of a farm? Um, and these things are, are of varying importance to different brands, right? So there's like the baseline regulatory, but then there's really getting in there with your, your suppliers. And again, I always encourage forming relationships. So I think if, you know, three things, perhaps one is, um, 
really evaluate all of your botanical ingredients and start to, you know, look at gaps. Oh, maybe there's, we're really strong on our, our five main herbs, but there's these other two that we eh, might, might be uh, in jeopardy. So you can do some risk assessments on individual ingredients, um, but then also really take a look at your supplier qualification programs. How, what are your criteria and standards that you use to qualify suppliers and ingredients? Um, and then also look towards building relationships with your botanical suppliers. I think those might be the top three things. Again, of course, the traditionals like setting appropriate specifications and choosing the right methods of evaluation. Of course, all that's important as well. Fantastic. Anything else our listeners can expect if they sign up for the botanical identification and testing course on August 6th and 7th? Ooh, well, I hope a lot of your listeners will see me there. Um, <laughs> it's a really, I, I, I um, did this course one other time with, with NSF and Vita Foods a few months ago, and it's really fun for me. Um, the, the portion that we'll talk about in August is really focused on the, the botany. It's a two-part course. Um, John Travis from NSF will be doing the second part on the more chemical methods. But the part that I'll focus on is really um, looking into morphological features, anatomical features in botany. If you have plant materials that are more intact or in the cut and sifted phases, how can you set specs and then which methods are appropriate to support those? So I do kind of a general overview of botanical identity and the different methods, and then really dig into even organoleptic methods, which are uh, totally scientifically valid and included in the language of part 111. Um, but they also take more kind of training and, and specific considerations in a way that's a bit different than something like an HPLC type method, which are, are more easy to kind of validate statistically, right? So it's a really fun course. And I think um, I give kind of a broad overview of botanicals and botanical ID specs and how to support them with different methods, including um, you know, microscopy, macroscopy, and organolepsis. Fantastic. Well, as you said, uh, you've got a lot more generalists, I think, in the testing area at a lot of these supplement companies rather than the uh, specifically trained uh, traditional herbalists. So should be some really wonderful information to share. And as always, a pleasure to have you joining me, Holly. And uh, to our listeners, if uh, you're looking for more information on this course or to get registered, you can visit nsf.org or check out the link on our homepage. Thanks so much, Heather.